Where's the part where they do the clapping part? You missed it. We missed it? No, I did it. I think you were humping the air when they were doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that shit's gonna look fire. It's gonna look like I'm singing it. Right, you, cool. it, Done. It, it was good, except you clearly didn't know any of the words, but the lip sync was pretty spot on. It was good. <laughs> Gonna get a lot of dough. Anything is possible. Turn me up in the headphone. Yeah. Grind to get a lot of dough and dirt the water obstacles. Cause anything is possible. Yeah. Oh man, I got a lot of gold. Stack that bread and buy my nose. Anything is possible. Yeah. What up, what up, what up, what up? Welcome back, everybody. Hope you had an amazing day. It's your boy, Cuff Daddy. Welcome back to our show. I'm a pot star, not a doctor, where we fuck around and talk about dumb stuff and have fun at the same time. Uh, it's me, your boy, Cuff Daddy, and my co-host. American Pharaoh. <laughs> so, I was looking on Instagram today, and... Uh, I came across this post about Kelsey and this cat. So apparently Kelsey, you know, Travis Kelsey dating um, Taylor Swift. Uh, I guess he's worth like 30 million, which is like, I mean, nothing to, you know, laugh about. I mean, it's 30 million is a lot. But she's a billionaire. But, but Taylor Swift's cat is worth 80 million. <laughs> and it's in music videos. Yeah. Um, how do, I want a deal like this. Like, how do you get a deal? I will be someone's cat for 80 million. I'll 100%. dress up like a cat. I'll be whatever you want me to be for 80 million. <laughs> it's like, but it, I mean, he goes out, risks, risks life and limb every weekend to play football to be worth less than half of her cat. <laughs> do the math. I don't know. I'm just mad about how much school I went to. Like I went to school for 14 years and, and this cat's making more money than me, which, you know, it's fine. I, I love my job. Don't get me wrong. It's not about the money, but I'm kind of thinking that this cat's winning. <laughs> you know, the thing that you have to be careful of these days is there's so many weird ways to make money that if you get stuck thinking about how you make your money and how hard it is for you to make money and how hard it was for you to get to the point to make money, you will be very, very depressed. I mean, to stop <laughs> and think that the entire Kardashian family is rich because of a sex tape. Whoa. Let's be honest. I mean, without a sex tape, no one knows who the Kardashians are, except it was the one guy that was the attorney for OJ Simpson. That's it. Oh, yeah, that's right, huh? I know. Well, I'm not going right. to do that, that's for sure. But right. I want to know who gets the cat's money. Like, how does uh, the cat spend its money? Uh, it gets really good. Like, <laughs> what is the best cat food in the world? Can I work for this cat? Like, I wonder if the cat I'll, needs, like, I'll be like a, a personal. I'm cats. I'll be a cat handler. I don't like care. a personal doctor or something. Like, I got to find. I love animals. Like, I could be a rich animal's friend, like, and get paid. <laughs> You'd be like a right? baby cheetah. I mean, somebody's got to walk this dog. There's some German Shepherd that, like, German Shepherd, the, it's like, I forgot what his name is, but it's worth like 500 million, the dog. But, but I mean, explain to me how the dog is worth a monetary value. That's, that's where I, I, I guess think it does stuff. It, like, you know, you post pictures of it, it's in movies, 
it goes on music videos. <laughs> you know, it doesn't it, it doesn't do surgery. I'll tell you that. But I mean, I'm cool to be in music videos. But you know, I got to I just got to get an it. ni the cuff daddy nil deal. That's but what we need. The more we talk about this, the more disappointing our world becomes. <laughs> That but, that's the thing, like an animal, God bless animals. I love animals. I have my dog. I love my dog Felix. <laughs> but if he's worth 50 million bucks, I'm like, why? I mean, like, what is he going to do? I mean, and let's be honest, he's not worth 50 million. The owner's worth 50 million. No, no, no. The cat, the cat's worth that much. So the, the cat, cat has a job. A bank. The cat, it makes money. The it cat goes on to a bank and says, <laughs> give me my money. Well, that, well, that's what we're talking about. Like, where does the money go? Cause you know, I know the cat can't spend the money, but I can spend the money for the cat. No problem. hundred percent you can. I mean, you know, they make those like sweet, like claw covers and like rubber so that they don't scratch everything. So maybe he's got some sick ass, you know, claw covers. I don't know. I mean, but I don't think he walked in or she walked into the store and asked for it. <laughs> that was the most interesting thing that I saw on the internet today, just, you know, I saw Kelsey, but I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not really a football follower, but I do follow the animals. So the animal story kind of intrigued me. I will <laughs> say that I, I do watch football for years. Um, I would not watch football because the lions were so bad and the Bengals were so bad. And those were my two favorite teams. And so on Sundays, it, it was like a day that if somebody said, Hey, you want to go to bed, bath and be out and be like, perfect, let's go. I would not watch the NFL because it was like nothing in it for me other than to watch my teams lose. So now with the lions pretty good and the Bengals have been pretty good that it's been fun to watch. And so I've watched more. Um, and then now that you and I have a podcast, I've been kind of like listening around and my two daughters are addicted to Taylor Swift. So of course, you know, my, 10 year old is like, dad is, are the chiefs playing right now? It's like, she didn't know shit about the chiefs. She didn't know where Kansas city is. She just knows that Travis Kelsey, who is Taylor Swift's boyfriend plays on them. And that's all she cares about. That's what I know. <laughs> <laughs> so you're my 11 year old daughter, Lily. So thanks. Uh, that's what but, I know, dude. I'm, I'm too busy to keep up. It's funny. No. Speaking of football, I have, I've been having a bunch of football players come in lately for their shoulders and they're all dislocating their shoulders and, you know, and I'm kind of like asking them, trying to figure out what surgery I want to do on them. And I'm like, so do you still want to play football? And they're like, yeah, love it. I'm like, all right, fuck. So I'm like thinking I got to do like a, a more, you know, a ladder J surgery versus the labor repair. So then I'm trying to convince this guy. I'm like, well, you know, your shoulders already come out of socket like 20 times. And now you need this crazy surgery. Like, are you sure you want to risk fucking it up? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, you could be an orthopedic surgeon as a backup plan. And he looked at me like, nah, bro, I'm going to be a tight end for the, for the Green Bay Packers. But it's funny because they're like all in and I know, you know, I never, I never got one. They're always like, nope, still want to play football. So I end up doing you know, surgery on them and then they go back and play football, right? It for is, it is crazy. I mean, all these athletes are built different. Um, the competitiveness, the prowess it takes to get there is really amazing. It reminds me quite a bit of what it took for us to get to where we are as surgeons. However, you know, that is also risking bodily harm. I mean, when we wanted to go to medical school, it's like at no point were we like, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to get hurt and then not get there. It's unless God forbid you got in a car accident on the way to college, it was pretty safe. Now with professional athletes, especially in a contact sport like football, you are worried not only about being better than the person that is behind you or 
being better than the person that's ahead of you. But also you have to take into account that at any given time, this could be your last play. And then what? Then you could be an orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> I mean, we take, I mean, God bless football players, but some of them throw all their eggs in one basket and it might be difficult to come back and be scholastic after all. Yeah. That. I definitely promote the backup plan. Like I love the young athletes trying to get back in the game. I always think that, but I, you know, it's funny cause now as I get older, the more I think long-term I'm like, Hmm, like, you know, make sure you, you know, you know, have a, a backup. And, but it's funny cause like nobody like has a backup, you know, even I had a backup. I mean, everyone's got a backup? backup. Huh? What was your backup? To try again. <laughs> okay. So what was your backup backup? Ooh, I probably would have like done, oh wait, like to get into med school or to be an orthopedic surgeon? To, you're not getting either. You suck at both. You're not getting oh, I suck either. at what both? You, yeah. What are you doing? Um, I would have tried to be a dentist. Really? Well, I mean, I, I had you a, little, I was I a bio you major. A taco truck in LA. <laughs> a vegan taco truck. You would have crushed it. And you probably would have made more. Yeah. And then I could sell little toothbrushes at the end. So after they eat, they like, I promote dental health. Or it, it could have been Acevedo's. What would it? It would be Acevedo's avocados. You could have done. It would have been like a play on words because your last name looks like avocado. Dude, no, it doesn't. It, it bothers me when people like say, Mr. Avocado. It's like, it doesn't even look like that. Like avocado, the V, when the V is next to the A as opposed to the C, it looks way different, like just right away. Like even if you didn't know how to read, like you could know like that visual cue that that's different. Unless there's a dyslexic person reading your name, then it's avocado. Hundred percent, it's avocado. So if someone calls you avocado, unfortunately, they're dyslexic. Yeah, but we're not making fun of dyslexia. But but I do get upset. I do get upset. Putting it out there. (laughs) So your backup plan was to be a dentist. I mean, dude, I don't know. I wasn't gonna have really. I mean, that was like in the cards, right? But like, I knew I wasn't gonna fail. I mean, I was doing really well in school. But that's different, right? Like, that just you just need to study and like put some time in. Like, football is different. Like, you need some talent, a lot of luck, like everyone said, right? And then you know, all the work and the training and all that. So, I just but feel like. School, but if med school had a height requirement, which it doesn't, they had a height <laughs> requirement, and you couldn't get in, what would you have done? I, I, I done something else. I know, but I want to know. Oh, like See, what? I love, I love that you never had another plan. You're <laughs> like, it's all or bust. That's why I'm kind of, you know, digging in here is because it sounds to me that you never had any other idea, which is great. I mean, because to be honest with you, once I kind of put my, you know, the line in the sand of I wanted to be a doctor and I knew I wanted to be a sportsman orthopedic surgeon from the age of 12, uh, you know, that's all I was going to do, period. And so I hear you, but, and I, I don't even know, I had a couple opportunities. My brother and I, actually it was my brother, had a bunch of wireless stores when cell phones were just first starting. So he did really well with that. And I ran two of them during med school. So if that hadn't worked out, I'd probably be slinging, you know, cell phones right now and probably <laughs> had done really well. But, uh, yeah, because you're a salesman. Ooh. Ouch. So one of my health grades uh, reviews said that I was a great salesperson. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing. I mean, you're not selling. I mean, you're selling stuff, right? You're selling yourself. 
yeah. then you're selling a procedure, right? You have a procedure that you think is good for the patient's problem in front of you at that time. So it's your job to not convince them, but educate them enough where they choose that so that you can help them. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I so, hear you. You know, you're, you're my, it's like a Jedi mind trick. Like they're going to tell you that they want the surgery you just recommended. Let's be honest. Everybody with everything they say at any given time and anytime words are coming out of somebody's mouth, have an agenda. It is. It's, I mean, you have a reason and a purpose to say something. Yeah. My agenda is to fix your rotator cuff. So it stops exactly. hurting and you stop coming in telling me it's hurting. Well, I, I saw this guy down the street who said that they can, you know, crack my neck and give me a stem cell injection in my shoulder and it'll be just as good as what you do. What do you say to that? <laughs> well, then I say, then why are you here? I say, good luck. <laughs> yeah. You know, but that's the thing. It's like, so you're kind of right that there has to be like a sales component to it, but I would hope that it doesn't come off salesy. And it comes off more like I'm educating you and here are your options for here's your, what you need. And well, from I, don't that, know. I, mean, I don't know what you do. That's what I do. I basically like give them all the information that I can so that they can make an informed decision right in front of me, like become an expert really quick, give them some options, give them the reasonings. And they're like, actually, that sounds like a pretty good plan. And then we roll with the plan, you know? So I think, um, you know, a lot of people who don't end up getting procedures done, maybe I, the whole thing is education, right? I mean, that's why we do what we do. That's why we're on the podcast. Like we're just fucking around, but like at the same time, we're learning stuff. We're, we're teaching people stuff that they might never have known. You know, you're in clinic, you're educating people every day. You're educating other, other residents. I mean, that's, that's what we do. We're teachers, right? Like fair for the most part. That's fair. And I think there's a component to it where, as, as you're teaching, you're, at least the way I, I see it, as I'm teaching the patient, let's call it, I'm educating them to make their own decision. That's what and, I said. Right. I know. I'm agreeing with you. You stole that from me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For everybody listening, I completely stole that from Danny Avocado. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that's why it's fun. You know, I, I like what I do. So no, I wouldn't change it. Right. Like I do, I'm not jealous of the cat. I just want to kind of figure out like why this cat's making so much paper. Um, uh, but I agree. No, I agree. Life like, is good. I, I wouldn't want to do that. I, I, I do like surgery. I don't know why. Maybe it's cause I used to play video games all the time, but I just like doing stuff with my hands and, and then helping people. And like the gratification is pretty rewarding, you know, it's, I mean, I'm sure it's like, like an athlete, like when they win a game and everyone's like, yeah, you did so well. And they probably feel pretty good. Right. It's the same thing. Yeah. I, I think there's that. And I think there is, uh, I think Pat St. Pierre, when he was on said it, that we have a very ego, friendly job i mean it really pumps you up and your your tires get pumped pretty well as an orthopedic surgeon yeah the dopamine the dopamine hits get addictive and i noticed that too like when you have a bunch of patients come in and they're all killing it when you go home that day you're just like fuck yeah i'm the shit and then you go home right but all it takes is just that one person maybe they're having a little pain or maybe like a a minor complication and then you're kind of like oh oh it sucks the life out of you and and it's one you might have a thousand in a row that were great yeah, and, just that one. But that's the thing. And I think that's a good thing because I know when I have, let's say, a run of a thousand that did great, I think to myself, that's the way it should be. 
I'm not thinking to myself, I'm the shit or the, you know, I'm just thinking that's the way it should be. However, that one person comes in and it's like, I suck at my job. What do I need to do? How do I fix this? It's like, it's crazy that that one can take so much wind out of your sails. Yeah, dude, you go home sad. Look, <laughs> that doesn't happen all the time. I feel like if that happened all the time, like every day, that's probably why some people are like, fuck this job. <laughs> it, it is a tough job. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, like what is harder? Is it mentally harder to be an orthopedic surgeon and, you know, fight all day between trying to get insurances to pay for surgeries, trying to fight with hospitals to pay for products you want to use, get the surgery done, take care of the patient. So mentally getting hit all the time or being a professional football player where you're physically getting hit all day, which is more difficult. You know, what's crazy is like uh, in California, there's all these like homeowners insurance companies like pulling out of California because they don't want to like insure anybody because it's like high risk or something. So a lot of people are losing their policies and it's like, what the hell? Like they were paying for that and then they can just like cut it off. You yep. know, I, I'm wondering, and then that's how it is in medicine, which is wild. Like, you pay all this money for insurance and some companies won't pay for this or they won't pay for that. Or, or you can't go to this hospital cause you can only go to this one cause this one gives them a deal or you can't have that medicine cause they're not giving rebates, which is uh, another word for a kickback. So it's crazy. But like when, when we do stuff like that, they like come after oh. the doctors and the doctors are terrible, but it's really not, not us. It's like the whole insurance game is a scam. Even like, like take car insurance, for example, right? You get in an accident, you use it. And then they like raise your rates and it's like, well, what about those 10 years where my shit was tight? I didn't get a ticket. I didn't get any accident, but I still paid up and you like you one little claim. And then they, you know, that's why I think in the future a lot, and uh, people wonder why a lot of doctors aren't taking insurance. And like, I, I begin a lot of patients referred to me because like I take insurances right now and they're like, oh, well, we thank God we found you on the internet and your shoulder specialist want to see you. But, um, you know, these other people don't take insurance or they're only cash and, and they don't know why. And it's just because like a lot of the different insurances pay differently for the same surgery, which is crazy. Right. Uh, That's like, like a Coca-Cola is valued differently across like mm -hmm. convenience stores. Like that wouldn't fly. Like how is that? Right. But I mean, I'll, I'll raise you. Bobby comes in for a surgery, right? He needs, he needs a, a shoulder surgery. He comes to Michigan. He comes to my office. Then he says, you know what? I want another opinion. I go, you know what? There's this dude in LA. He's the shit. Go see him. So he goes and sees you. He hangs out with you. You examine him. We both say he needs the exact same surgery. Now it's a flip of a coin. Which does he want to do? Whoever he's more comfortable. If he comes to me, I do it. He comes to you, you do it. It's the same code that we bill insurances. It's the same insurance because it's his. And we'll get paid two totally different things. And neither of which will be the amount that we actually build. So let's say we bill it a thousand bucks. You're going to get 600 bucks. I'm going to get 448. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. No, 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 no. I'll do it for 650, 650. That's right, my last right. thought. <laughs> but it doesn't work like that because you can't negotiate with the insurance companies. <clears throat> that so is crazy. I know. It's a, it is the craziest thing. Like if you sit and think about it, it's so fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. I can't believe that as like a medical society, we haven't called bullshit on all this. And I think you can even take it one further. It's criminal. It's just yeah. there's no laws against it because it's gangster. 
It's it gangster is. as fuck. It These is. Are and the worst part is not fuck. only not only <clears throat> will they not give me the same amount as you, but they'll also tell the patient they can't have the surgery at all. So yeah. they control both sides. It's crazy. It, and that's why a lot of people are going to the hospital systems, right? Like Kaiser or or whatever system, because they're like, you know what? This is too much to deal with. I'm just going to go work for the man and get a salary, right? Well, Because they're over I, it. So here's where it gets interesting. So our guest tonight, Travis Decker, played professional football and is a sports medicine orthopedic surgeon. Uh, he was He went to Air Force, played there, uh, fulfilled his military commitment, was... He signed with the Packers. Then he went to George Washington for med school, then Duke for uh, his residency, and then Stedman Clinic out in Vail for a sportsman fellowship. So this guy has succeeded to become a professional athlete and a very, very, very good orthopedic surgeon slash sports medicine surgeon. So a lot of the stuff we just talked about, I can't wait to pick his brain because <laughs> I want to know if getting your face bashed in is better than getting your brain bashed in. So let's bring Travis in. <laughs> How tall are you? you? Like 10 feet tall? You're like almost hitting your ceiling. Pick four, because I, I put the phone just perfectly so it's looking up at me, making me look artificially larger than I am. So, yeah. so, uh, so the, the national championship game is on right now. Who are you rooting for? I'm going for Michigan. Oh, bro. I'm a Sparty. Can't say you, that. You're up in Detroit, though, right? Yeah, and I fucking hate Michigan. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I didn't know if there's any in-state loyalty. I have no idea. Oh, yeah. yeah. Michigan State. East Lansing. Yeah. Go green. Let's go. Yeah, okay, there you go. There and you I was go. Just, actually had to go to Ann Arbor over the weekend. Uh, my son had a hockey game there. And so after that, we were like, oh, we'll get something to eat. So we go. We park. I mean, this is just, I think, sheer hatred of Ann Arbor to me as well. So we park the car. It says you don't need to pay for anything. We go to the machine. It's like it's off. We go in, we come out, ticket. I'm like, you kidding? I'm like, that's because they knew you're you're from Michigan State. I do have a Michigan State license plate, so I guarantee it. Yeah, that doesn't help. So that would be like you going into like Bethesda and yes, parking your car. Yeah, that that or West Point, exactly right. Uh huh. Yeah. So walk us through your your life. I mean, it's so interesting. We were talking about you know, being a professional orthopedist versus a professional athlete. And now you've accomplished both. Like what, what is that even like? Cause I know how hard it was to do one. What's two like? Uh, well, I mean, I guess like the long and the short of it, I, I just didn't have a life for a long time. You know, and you, you just try and dedicate yourself to your craft and just like we do with orthopedics, it was the same thing for football with me in college. And so uh, I was undersized and, uh, I was a pipsqueak coming out of high school, actually, and um, I I think I weighed like 210 or something like that, and I was 6'2", and then when I was in college, I was a little bit of a late bloomer, so I grew up a couple inches and finally started putting on a little bit of meat, and, and then uh, I was able to go on and it, it just essentially just didn't have much of a life, just kind of dedicating myself to both school and football, and I didn't have time for much else. So Danny's really curious, what's it like to grow? 
Especially later in life. You know, in LA, I'm 5'4". In LA, like, it's like normal height around here. There's a lot of Latinos, (laughs) a lot of Asians. So I don't really feel that I'm not small until I go to, like, the middle of the country. And then there's people there. I'm like, whoa, these people are really big over here. I mean, I think you're almost as tall as like Tom Cruise, who's like five seven, I think. So, I mean, you're right about there. No, I mean, I I totally empathize with you because I graduated high school at five ten, one fifty, and I was tiny. And then I uh, I came back for homecoming that fall, and I was six two, two hundred. And it was just like I don't know where those four inches came from in three months, but it was like it was so weird. I was like, holy shit, how did I grow? It just happens. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And, yeah. and now I'm watching my son who's 13 and he's like looking at me. He's like, dad, am I any taller today? I'm like, not yet. Just, just wait, not. just wait, give it another eight years. I just they, do sur- they do surgery on that now. So I don't know. I'm debating it. I'm debating sure. it. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 They, cut, they, they cut your femur and they, they nail it. And then, you know, I think they use a magnet, but yeah. I don't know. I got, cause then I have to get all new clothes. So I don't know if I want to do that. Cause my clothes are nice and. You know, it's just a lot. It's a lot. Well, I think short pants are in, like the capris. So, I mean, it'd be fine for you. Like joggers, it'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Travis. So, like, was Ortho your backup then? Because we were talking about, like, backups. Like, what would my backup be? I didn't really have one. But you played football first, right? I did. So, I went to camp. I mean, you all are asking kind of about the path for me. So, going to the military academy was – it always varied year to year with what the rules were for the academy. And so for my year, well, like a year or two before, they had a guy that went AWOL to go to camp. And so then that got Congress and everybody kind of locked down on making sure that the guys were going to do their obligation. And so for my year, you had to pay back two years beforehand. So I came in to uh, into the like draft class or whatever, and they, they gave me my draft stock and said, this is where you should be going within the draft. Uh, based off of kind of the looks that you've had and the feedback that we've had. But your biggest obstacle is whether or not you're going to be able to convince a team to sign you and keep you and then even draft you based off of having uh, to do two years of active duty before coming back. And as you know, every draft pick is essentially it's money. And even down to the seventh round and the last pick, that's money for those guys. And so they're very thoughtful about their picks. And and so it's – for me, it was like this anxiety-producing time because, of course, I just wanted to get drafted just to say I could. And and the day came and it went, and then I within just a few minutes after the draft, I got called by the Packers and said, like, hey, do you, you want to come out to camp and, and be with us? And it was a cool and very memorable experience. Coach McCarthy was, like, just a class act and one of the coolest guys ever. Um, he took me around Lambeau and, like, walked me around after camp and, just said like, hey, you have a future here. If this is what you want to do, uh, we'd be happy to keep you around. And on our, it was like an inactive roster. And you come back and do some practice squad stuff. And you go, to, you do all the preseason activities. And then once the season hits, they can't pay you because they pay you per game. And so I'd have to go do my active duty time through a reserve squadron. And for me, that was going to be finance. And that was going to be like somewhere in the middle of nowhere, which finance is an Air Force officer. Like you're not even doing finance. So that would have been an interesting time. And and (laughs) so it kind of came to me as a little bit of a break point. I felt, uh, as I'm sure you all have have talked about with other athletes, your body kind of starts to break down a little bit. And 
I was just worn down a little bit at that point. It was the biggest and strongest and fastest I'd ever been, which was like a lot of fun getting prepped for draft time. But then you just kind of, you, you come to this point, you're like, man, I, medical school, not necessarily orthopedics at the time, but medical school was like, I had this kind of sitting out there and I had gone to a military academy, which was not the most enjoyable experience for the last four, four and a half years. And all of a sudden I've got med school sitting out there in the middle of Washington, DC. Wait, what do you mean and, it's sitting out there? Like you got in? Yeah. Yeah, I was in. And so I, I had already had the position. They were willing to delay my enrollment for two years if I wanted to go do finance with the Air Force and then try and test my time. But then there was some like limitations after two or three years, you have to retake the MCAT and then reapply for medical school. And I was like, now they got rid of the MCAT. You don't even have to take the damn test. Are you yeah. for real? Yeah. You just do a magic trick in front of the guy. and they'll let you... <laughs> No, they got rid of it. They got rid of the MCAT, dude. That's it's wild. Yeah. Well, with how competitive it is, I mean, even waiting for three years, I, I you know, I could have had a story to go with it, but like that, that would have been a total gamble at that point. And yeah. so it's a gamble to be in the league. And it was a gamble to when I was feeling kind of broken. And so I ended up at just going and enrolling in med school. And, and then I had some discussions with my agent and with the Packers after my two years, cause I was going to try and see if I could have just done my two years of reserve time through my med school, just the first two years of med school. Cause there's that natural break, at least with the old curriculum. Mm -hmm. So I was going to try and go back and play. And it was fun kind of feeling fresh and feeling good, getting ready to go back and play. And then all of a sudden like clinical started and, and then it was all in for orthopedics at that point. So, so Travis, you said something really interesting. You, here you are persevering at athletics and academics. I mean, you have literally what we as parents would want for our kids. You sound amazing. But which is not amazing, <laughs> but you said something that was really interesting. You said you yeah. felt broken. It almost was like a kiss of death to be amazing at two things for you. Hey, I mean, it wears you down. You yeah. Know? Like it, it, everybody talks about burnout and, and, um, and at that point, football was just more of like a, it was more of a job than it was a passion. And thankfully within orthopedics, my body doesn't feel as broken anymore, but it definitely the passion of medicine and orthopedics and having different challenges really started to take over. So yeah, you're right. I, I, I was, I was at kind of that tipping point of just kind of feeling burnt out and wanting a little bit of relief and I had a lot of fun for the first three and a half, four months of medical school and then realized that I had to turn things back around before it got, it got too late. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I went and let loose for the first three to four months and I was like, my college time was the first three, four months of med school. Oh, I bet. I mean, I had a couple of buddies of mine uh, who played at Michigan state and when they finished playing, uh, they moved to Chicago and, for the first like two years of like their careers was like bar night every night because <laughs> they, and so it was like, they, they did it differently because they never had that opportunity as, you know, athletes. Yeah. That's what I did. Dude, when we were my first year out, I was so deprived. We went out like to a fancy ass dinner, like every weekend we were going to Nobu all the time. Uh, we'd go to <laughs> Vegas and just get tables just to party yeah. And then like just reckless, like the, my first year, I didn't save any money. I just, I just had to get it all out of my system. And then after that, I was like, all right, time to be responsible. 
Yeah. That's what, it, that's what <laughs> my friends in med school are for, right? Like he had all those friends that they're, they're just like, ah, it's fine. We'll put it on the loans, max loans. Let's go, max loans. We're going to Vegas. Like, what kind of life are we living no, here? I didn't do that until I was done because I don't know. I wanted to stay in like nice rooms, and you know, we didn't really have any money in grad school. Yeah. So, so when you found yourself in Vegas, uh, what happened there, uh, C Diddy? Like, how angry did you get at the tables, or was it just you know? Just no, we wanted- just party. We just party. Oh, I'm oh, like I'm a gambler. No, I play yeah. craps, but I don't. I don't gamble too much. All right. Yeah, I'm scared to lose money because I'm like, you know, after I'm like down a couple hundred bucks, I'm like, all right, I'm good. (laughs) I I could never be a have a gambling addiction, dude. Never takes money to make money. Now, Travis, which do you think was harder though on you? Do you think the physical toll of sports or the mental toll of orthopedics or medicine? Uh, honestly, probably the physical toll of football was was harder. It on me and I'm feeling it now you know just got I'm 37 38 and I've got arthritis in my knees and little ones that I'm trying to run around and keep up with and it's like my knees swell after just like going for a, a jog it's just pathetic <laughs> and so sucks. yeah you know like it, you're like it you know and, and just as, it, almost like an identity crisis I mean that was part of my issue in med schools I still identified as a football player so I was Still going to the gym and working out and exercising, trying to squat like five, six hundred pounds, doing stupid things, and then your body pays the pays the price for it over time. So um, I think physically that was demanding, and obviously there's the mental demand of medicine, and it's been a welcomed that's been like a welcome challenge, and and it's there's a lot of camaraderie in orthopedics, and with I felt super lucky where I was able to train where camaraderie was really promoted. Um, I, I trained at Duke and that was like, that was like home for me. Those guys were amazing. And the training there, uh, with the, the staff that they had there that they still have, uh, is just, it was, it, it was just a brotherhood and it was people that just wanted to promote your well being and really wanted to see you make it to the next level of whatever you wanted to achieve as a goal. And you had great co-residents and, and so that was, it was like being on a team, um, and, but a team that everybody was kind of fighting for the same thing. And, and, you know, with, with football, you know, you were still being competitive. Like you had guys that were above you or behind you that you were trying to compete with to get playing time. And, and it was good. But I mean, the grind of that was, that was exhausting too. You're always competing to try and get better. And there's competition within orthopedics, but I think that's like from practice to practice, not necessarily on the same team. Yeah, and no, it's not malicious either. Even though we're all kind of like competing, it's more just like we're all kind of pushing each other, yeah. you know? Yeah. Which and is cool. When, when you're at Duke and you're doing your thing and you're then you go to Stedman for your fellowship. So you're out in Vail. And what's I want to ask you, when you're at Stedman, because I spent a month out there during my fellowship, and so you see a lot of you know high-end athletes. Yep. While while you're there, do you reminisce? Are you getting angry? Like how this guy make it and I didn't? Or are you like, I'm where I'm supposed to be? Uh, once I was there training, I felt much more so like uh, I was where I was supposed to be. But you'd, I'd see a couple guys come through and I'd be like, I could take him for a play. I got one play on him. <laughs> you know, I can't take him all game, but I got him at least one. I got to step on him for just one or two plays. 
but uh, and that was just kind of the natural competitive nature. But um, yeah, once I once I was there, I mean, as you as I'm sure you saw it, the competitiveness amongst those guys was is like that's pretty intense and you're around it nonstop and they're always pushing each other to be better. And that was it for me with it within all the training that, that I've had that, that was like the closest to professional sports that I've gotten just being in an environment that was, was always shooting to be perfect every single time. And, and, um, and they still carry that and it's, it's inspirational a lot of ways. And, and, but, as you've seen folk cycle in and out of there, it, it wears on people too. And, uh, it, it can, it's for, for most people, it's only sustainable for so long. Now, did you spend any time? So while you're in training at any point, you were still on the reserve roster, correct? I was, I got some notification, like some thank you email and <laughs> you're no longer on the roster. Thank you for your, <laughs> But that time, wasn't until like 2015, right? That was like yeah. six years later. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They keep you on right. like a minimum time. So I didn't do anything. I didn't have any other interaction with them. Uh, I had some interaction with my agent that checked in and, and he told me that they were still interested. And, um, but, uh, but it was pretty limited once I kind of committed to med school and he saw I was kind of fully in the thick of it, and especially when I was an intern um, and that, the toll of being an intern and second year resident, I think I dropped down to like 205. I was pencil thin and those guys were like, yeah, right. The guy's never coming back. So what was your playing weight? You know, so I, when I was at the Academy, I was playing at about 230, 235. And then I got up to 265, 274 combine. And wow. it was, it's amazing what the body can do when you're rested <laughs> and all you do is focus on eating and training. And it was like, like I said, that was the, the biggest and fastest I'd ever been. I like, man, I wish I could have played like this. This would have been fun. Uh, <laughs> that's, like, just... that's like after COVID, like for COVID, <laughs> I was eating so healthy and I was just working out and I was so like in shape. I was shredded and I was like, COVID is the shit. <laughs> and then and now, now that like... Like now that like I'm on the planet, yeah. I mean, I'm still working out every day, but I don't know for whatever reason. I just I feel like I worked out longer and and more intense. Oh, you know what I would do with like two a days and shit like during COVID because I was so restless. So I would just work out all the time. Yeah. At least you didn't drink all the time like a bunch of people. No, so that yeah, right. A lot of people were drinking. A lot of people got heavy because they were drinking and eating. They should have been working out. No, I, I did a, I did a meeting with Peter Chalmers, who I love, and he's out in Utah, you, you know, Travis, and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we did this meeting together, and it was right after COVID, and he says, they asked us, like, so what did you guys do during COVID? And I was like, uh, yeah, I learned how to, like, smoke meat, and I really figured out how to do a good brisket, and I, I'm going on and on, and he goes out, he's like, well, you know, I came out, and uh, I had like four NIH grants and like 12 papers. And I'm like, oh, gosh, shut the fuck up now. This guy's an overachiever. So, I mean, I hey, that's, that's, his, that's his outlet, you know. He's a smart great. guy. Was, I was yeah. just like, I felt so stupid in that moment. I, I like, should have oh. read some more books. I, you know, I'm always like reading such a luxury, you know, like these days. So it's just like, I should have read more books. Well, Joe I, got I was it in Florida. Florida you, just COVID never existed. So it was, it was like business as usual and the stores were open. And uh, I mean, it was touristy season and 
the gym was definitely open for us and there was no <laughs> restrictions during COVID. So it really, it, yeah, Florida was wild, man. Yeah. It was wild west. It, was, it made life fun for me. <laughs> there, there yeah. We should have went to Florida. Days. I was over here locked up in my house. <laughs> oh, California, man. California, like you couldn't breathe. I mean, your your uh, governor got in trouble for going out to dinner in Napa. <laughs> no, yeah, it's crazy. a crazy place. I don't know. I love Florida, man. I love Miami. You should come. Uh, have you been to Shoulder Three Hundred and Sixty yet? No. no. Mm. Oh, dude, you got to come this year. It's all shoulder, and it's in Miami. It's lit. Super lit. I'd like to. All right. Well, call Joe and set it up. Joe Abood. And, you know, Joe Abood, speaking of COVID, he got an MBA. So, again, I felt inferior. He's like, yeah, I got an executive MBA. People really did something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What were you doing, dude? I was was smoking meat Meat. in my backyard, drinking (laughs) bourbon after getting on a Peloton for two hours. That's what the days were. Got to get those calories back. Exactly. No, it's funny you say that. I had a good buddy of mine who is actually a trustee at Michigan State. He played offensive line at Michigan State. And uh, I saw him like two years after he finished playing. And he was probably playing at about 305. And he comes across like one day and I looked at him I'm like, why does that dude look so familiar? And he was like, maybe a buck 80. And yeah. I was like, holy shit, Brian, like how much weight did you lose? And he's like 120 pounds. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And it was like, because yeah. and, I mean, that same story is Jeff Saturday after he retired from Indianapolis, went back the season after and they wouldn't let him in the stadium. He's like, I'm Jeff Saturday. They're like, no, you're not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did you used to like when you were before your games, did you used to like pregame? You had like your pregame soundtrack and everything like your set list. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah everybody, I think. Almost every athlete that I know is extremely superstitious. So especially like home games and everything, I knew exactly when I was like changing the song based off of which intersection we were getting past. So I knew exactly (laughs) which song was going to be playing by the time I entered the stadium. Yeah, it definitely had a set list for sure. Now, is it the same playlist as in the OR or is it a different playlist these days? Different playlist now, yeah. Uh-huh. But does I, it change? Because I, I do that. Like, I'm very akin to, like, I think I'm an athlete. Like, before I try a new surgery, I'll put my headphones on, and I'll put, like, certain songs on that I know are going to, like, pump me up and give me confidence. But, like, yeah, I do that. It's like fight night, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I There's some playlists now I now avoid in the OR to, like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because of what why? they say? Yeah, well, why? No, just because of, like. It, like if I'm hitting any like true club music that I'd be going out to like in Vegas, that 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 vibe it like gets my heart rate going to the level to the level of the beat. I have like no desire Triggered. to go. Triggered. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh-huh. I tried to do it like this delicate like carpal tunnel or something, and he's like yeah. head banging. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you're out in Colorado now, correct? Yep, I'm back at the Air Force Academy actually. Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah. So. So now, like, are you serving? Are you just doing sports? Or are you doing? I know in the military, it kind of is like do a little bit of everything. Pretty much sports. So now that I'm back at the academy, they have a, uh, there's two or three dedicated sports surgeons that are there. We got a joints guy, hand guy, and then a generalist here. Um, but as you know, with military, we see lots of shoulder instability. Yeah. 
And so shoulder instabilities are main go-to. And then Fort Carson is nearby. So there's a lot of army guys that are around and they have the, the 10th special forces group is down there. And so, uh, and the army guys are like, they will run through walls for you. Uh, but they will also, um, not listen to any of your protocols and everything. So it, it makes it, it's like a good challenge, but they're, um, I mean, the combination of patients that you see is, is been awesome. So, but pretty much all sports, uh, I'll do shoulder arthroplasty, uh, but everything else is kind of tissue and joint preservation. They sound like the seals. They, yes. And so when I was cutting my teeth down in Florida, the seven special forces group was there and I would connect with Preventure. Who, mm-hmm. you know, I was able to really take a lot away from him when I was out at Stedman. I talked to him constantly about these stories that I was getting with these guys. And they're like, Hey, you have, I'm leaving in four weeks to go down to South America for this like covert thing. I need you to fix me right now. And I, you won't see me for six more months. I'm like, huh, can I not fix you in, in six more months? Like, Nope, this is my last time. I'm, we're, we're going to do our best for you here. Right. But, like, I mean, yeah. So I had a guy that came through my clinic with a frozen shoulder. I won't tell you which branch he was with, and you you can try to guess. But he uh, he comes in, and I'm explaining to him, he had frozen shoulder. I'm like, what what happened? He's like, oh, I had this injury, and I was on this mission, and I was gone, and like I didn't move my arm. I would like tie it to my chest so that it wouldn't hurt. So he got a frozen shoulder. I'm like, okay, cool. And uh, so I'm like, here's what we need to do. We need. To, I'm going to give you a shot. I'm going to kind of calm this thing down. I'm going to send you to therapy. Because therapy, I'm not going to therapy. Yeah. Like, why? He's like, no, no, no. I, I don't have time for that. I got to I'm going back out. And I said, uh, okay. He's like, I'll tell you what, I know now what I need to do. I'm going to come back in two weeks before I leave. I said, fine. Comes back in two weeks. He's like, look at my arm. He's moving his arm all around. I go, I don't get it. Like what happened? He goes, I went to the gym the day we talked. I put the boxes up on the pull-up bar. I put my arms out on the pull-up bar. Then I jumped <laughs> off. He did his own nip. <laughs> Oof. And he just manipulated his shoulder, broke all the scar. He says he saw tears for a few minutes, and then he's like, everything's back. Cool. I'm good. Yeah, he passed out. He's on the podcast now. Holy shit. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you're a different animal. All right, cool. You got all your motion back. Yeah. It's a different breed. So while you were with, so I, I got to ask you this: Did you ever come across the superhuman Aaron Rodgers that his uh, Achilles will heal itself? That's amazing. Yeah, it's truly an amazing story. I, when I was in camp, he was he wasn't out actually practicing, but he was in the building. The guys that I was really with were Clay Matthews, who was a freak, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and then B.J. Raji. Those were the two big Beautiful names. Hair that- on Clay. Beautiful hair. It's something I could never relate to him with. Uh, so <laughs> uh, he and he was a freak athlete too, and so that was fun going up against him in camp, just because it was extremely humbling to be across the ball from a guy that just could pummel you and run by you without even thinking about it. And um, and I mean, just an incredible, very like quietly confident individual, and it was. It's pretty cool to to be in camp when he was there. I think with a kid like Clay, I mean, his dad was a great athlete for mm-hmm. Cleveland, and so it's. I I think to, even like so in Detroit, as much as I dislike the University of Michigan, Aiden uh, Hutchinson, you know, playing after his dad who played at Michigan, also same position. You see this; it's almost like he wasn't allowed to be anything but great, which is awesome, yeah. but also is very humble. Mm-hmm. And and I think these like kids of 
former pros are very much like that. It's like, that's all they know. It's like, that's yeah. normal. That's not extraordinary. Yeah. So it, yeah. it's pretty crazy. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I, I think when, with what you've learned and now you're taking care of these athletes and, and the military actually, which I think is even more important than uh, an athlete, but just like these, uh, the guys that you take care of, what is it that like you see in yourself and them where you're like, I got to really tell them what to do because I know if they're telling me back in the day, I wouldn't have done it. So like to keep them compliant, what are you telling them? Um, you know, I think that, trying to have them understand how much I I identify with them and that I want, my goal is not to prevent them from doing what they want to do. And I think that a lot of the times, especially these guys see us as roadblocks in order to get to what they want to do and where they want to be. And so trying to get them to a point to understand that like, Hey, I'd, I am an ultra competitive individual and I really, uh, I like killing my body t- t- still to this day. And I love working out and I, I love doing a lot of the same things that you guys like doing, but in order for you to be able to accomplish like this, this is what we need from you. And I've tried my best to be relatable to them. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, especially the group guys or any of the special forces guys, if they can't identify with you and you can't build rapport with them like immediately, they think you're like an out of shape, like idiot. And so, um, <laughs> like half the reason I've had to go, I feel like I've got to keep up with the gym is I've got these spec ops guys that are sending me like videos and talking shit and, and saying like how they, you got to challenge more. them to a boxing match. Yeah. They, I mean like immediately I, I fixed the guy's cup and he's like, I bet you in six weeks I could do more dips than you. I'm like, well, how about you don't do that? Uh, and oh, it's so yeah. on. I would at least try. I yeah, love a I'm good like, competition. Give me three months. Just give me three months and I'll let you just do whatever you want to do. And then, and then we'll do I'll it. Be surprising I, fools. Yeah, he still sends text messages of getting like these, these crazy. And then like you get some other guys that are, that have just destroyed shoulders and there's, and still, I don't know what the right answer is, but these end stage osteoarthritis guys in their early forties with a shoulder that's locked and like you have very limited options with them. I've talked to the, like my mentors and like, Hey, depends on where they are and what their career. And I've done an arthroplasty and a couple of these, they're so happy and they feel so good. Yeah, man. AJ, nothing but a number, baby. That's what I always say. (laughs) Next thing you know, they're like, Hey doc, look, this is the lifting competition I just joined. And I'm like, Uh, yeah, yeah, dude, let it roll. I had a, I did a, I did a bilateral, a total shoulder on a power lifter. Um, I ended up seeing him for like six, seven years and shits were still ticking, man. Everything was good. You know? Yeah. So, I pray every day that, that it's still in place. I mean, I always tell them, I'm like, that's your shoulder. I mean, you know, you, you do what you want. I tell them, you know, it's going to last this long. You're going to wear it out early. You might need a revision. Yep. It won't be as good as the next one. But hey, dude, you know, it's they could you you could die tomorrow, right? We could yeah, die yeah. tomorrow. So you got to live it day by day, bro, and worry about that shit later. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. it's funny. When I first came out, I was so tentative. It's like, oh, no, you need this and you need this and you got to go slow because these only last so long. And then 
I don't know when I became a pessimist, but I, I just said, you might get mowed down by a truck tomorrow. Yeah. So I'm going to just <laughs> yeah. do your replacement today and yeah. at least yeah. give you a day of relief. Yep. And if yeah. you get more than a day, even better. And then we'll just, yeah. you know, see what happens down the road. And yeah. it's actually, you know, you're right. But those guys are crazy because, yeah, you're like you're saying, they're 40 something years old and they they want their life back and they just yeah. want to be pain free. But they don't care. They will. They don't care. They don't tell care. You, they're like, hey, so you're going to, you know, you're not putting all these limits. My only goal is I just want to carry my kids. That's all yeah. I want to do. Yeah, sure. Uh, They're doing handstands and wakeboarding. (laughs) We're on the same page. And yeah, next thing I know, I got a picture of the guy that I did it with. And you're exactly right. He was water skiing. (laughs) It it was like a middle finger up to the picture. And it's like, all right, man, it is what it is. Like, enjoy that life. I'm glad you're down in Destin. You're going to love it. I saw this post the other day about this Navy SEAL and he was being interviewed. And they're like, you're a hero. He goes, I am not a hero. He goes, I'm a degenerate, I'm a derelict, but I have a kind heart. So mm-hmm. what you need from me is to be a degenerate, a derelict with a kind heart to go kill the people that are degenerates, yep. derelicts with not a kind heart. Yep. And I was like, wow, yep. that's, that's crazy. That, those are the people that we need out on the front line. Oh, like, I was mm-hmm. like, holy smokes. I mean, if that's yeah. what we're dealing with. Yeah, I identify as one of those guys. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> I do. Don't <laughs> laugh at me. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm like that badass that I identify with. I like those guys. <laughs> so Travis, during our shows, we like to play a fun game. I don't know what today. Today, this was uh, Danny's. Uh, Dude, we have we have no plans. We have no plans. We're we just off the cuff. You yeah. Know? So, so Danny's so, the cuff, the cuff daddy over here. It's his turn to come up with the game. So, so I'm going to let him take it away. I was thinking like I was like everyone always makes fun of me because I'm short, and then I was remembered that like at some at one point I actually had to sit on objects to make myself a little taller, and I was sitting on an object on one of the podcasts earlier to make myself a little taller. So uh, I thought it was funny. So we're gonna play a game called "What I'm Sitting On." <laughs> What's Cuff Daddy sitting on? I'm going to sit on something. And then I'm gonna... I have not been aware of such things until just now. I, and then, so you get five guesses, right? Five guesses. And every time you get one right, I'm going to give you a hint. Okay. And then you got to try to guess what I'm sitting on. So every time I get it wrong, then you give not, me a hint. Nothing happens. You only get five. You only get five. But every time you get one right, I'll give you a hint. So when right? you get one right, like what do you mean, like a hint, like so like a I hint, guess, like the first hint, the first hint is is that it's so like I could say, is it hard or soft? Yes. So the first hint is that it's six inches long. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Travis, I, I I don't know what's happening right now. I see a vein coming. <laughs> I see a vein coming out in his forehead. And Just fucking yeah. guess. Stop being it's, stupid. It's, it sounds like yep. a game for in LA. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> These are LA games. These are LA uh, games. Uh, um, we're, we're running out of ideas, dog. Don't fuck. Okay, so go, 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 go. All right, go. You gotta. You can ask like a, um, you know, like a hint, like, you know, is it this? Is it that? Um. So what we do know is that it's six inches long. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that wouldn't make him taller. If it was it's an there. object. Well, yeah, it's an object. <laughs> is it round or is it flat? Ooh, 
it's 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 like it's a cylinder. It's cylindric. That's one. Okay. I would say a phone book, but they don't make those anymore. <laughs> you got two hints. It's, it's cylindric. It's six inches long. And I'm sitting on it. Can you find this object anywhere else in your house? Yes. So I guess I'll give you a hint. Uh, it elicits... Which room in the house it, you find it in? <laughs> uh, any room in the house. That's three. It 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 uh it spreads joy audibly. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what the <fuck>? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't find it anywhere. Okay. So you're on three. You got you got two guesses left. Like two two hints left. Then you gotta guess. You Does gotta it make guess. noises? Yes. So it makes noises. Okay. So I'm gonna tell you that um you could turn it on and off. Is that four? Yeah, you got two two more guesses. Can you bring it to the operating room with you? Yes. So to I'm going to gonna tell you that it's black. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> are you sure it's six, are you sure it's six inches long? It's around is there. It man, six yeah. inches, or it is a female six inches? It's around there. It's like this big. Like that big. Is that four or five? It's six inches, it's cylindric, it's black, and it's about that big, and it makes noise. And you can turn it on and off. Can you turn it up and down? Yes. Uh, you can buy it at uh, any store. All right, now you got to guess what it is. Oh, shit. You can buy it at any store. That just threw me off. I thought I knew what it was. <laughs> Hurry up. Ah, oh, it fucking hurts. <laughs> oh I was gonna say like a, I was gonna say a Bose speaker. Yeah, dude, it's a fucking speaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. I didn't know you could buy that at any store. I was thinking like go down to Walgreens and buy it. Dude, you can buy a, you can buy a speaker at CVS, dude. You can yeah. buy a speaker at CVS. Yeah. Oh, so you know, we just ha- we're just having fun, man. This. Is- <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! And, and the best part is, is all this is happening. Our producer is sending me messages saying we're getting canceled. Danny, <laughs> why are we getting? It's it's just that's the thing. It wouldn't be our problem. That's their problem if they're if they have a problem. The world we live in is their problem is your problem, buddy. I don't know. What, I don't know where you live. I mean, if all places California, of all places, these are all these are all family games. Okay, what am I sitting on? I don't understand why. <laughs> a game that starts what am I sitting on is not a family game. <laughs> how do you start a family? <laughs> you guys are crazy, man. Uh Travis, man, we won't keep you any longer. You've been awesome. Thanks for coming on, but appreciate it, guys. Yeah, your your story is inspiring. I mean, there's so many young guys that are young people that are listening to our show that want to go to med school or maybe want to be a professional athlete. You've done both. And I mean that's fucking awesome i mean that doesn't happen so be and i know you're very proud of yourself as you should be and and now to pay it forward and help the military and all those guys and thank you for your service and their service i mean it's it's great to have you on well thank you guys for having me it was fun yeah man thanks for coming on come to miami may yeah man that's 2024 yeah for sure look into it for sure that'll be a good time yeah for sure
All right, All right brother. Until we guys. see each other again. Yeah, we'll see ya. Peace, Thank brother. Okay, bye bye. See ya. Did you see yeah, I like that guy's I like he, that guy's haircut? Did you see it's how big he was nice. when he stood up? Yeah, he's big. He's, he's a giant. Big. That's how everybody looks to me though, so I don't know. I don't That's I fair. can't tell. That's fair. <laughs> Except that the cat looks up to you. The eighty million dollar cat looks up to you though. So remember that. You're right, you're right. You got that going for you. No, that was cool. I, I, I enjoyed having Travis on. He's a, he's such a good man and like a gentle giant, and he's such a good surgeon too. I mean, we really I like, I like playing the games with the guests because they're like, "What the fuck is happening?" <laughs> <laughs> they're so they're, I like that they're they're so caught off guard. It's kind of funny, but uh, he nailed it. Yeah, he's he good. It. He's good. I would yeah. actually. I was thinking it was a um, a foam roller, but you know how there's the ones that vibrate. And like, that's what I thought. <laughs> because I would expect a foam roller to be at the Acevedo house. That's right. I do have a foam roller, but I don't I use it. Too. I don't yeah, use I, it. But mine's like three feet long. Yours is six inches. <laughs> that covers my whole thigh. <laughs> okay. That's your business. All right, everybody. Well, that's our show today. Thanks for tuning in uh, to another fabulous episode of I'm a pod star, not a doctor. It's your boy, Cuff Daddy, signing out. And it's your boy, the American Pharaoh, who is still confused by the game we played tonight. And we hope that you find us wherever you find your podcasts and find us on socials at Instagram and wherever you find us. Okay. Peace. Trying to get a lot of dough. Anything is possible. Turn me up in the headphone. Yeah, grind to get a lot of dough and dirt the water obstacles, cause anything is possible. Yeah. Oh man, I got a lot of gold, stack that bread and buy my nose, anything is possible. Grind to get a lot of dough and dirt the water obstacles, cause anything is possible. The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent.